We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Larry Johnson from University of Michigan. I'm not supposed to be here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from, so don't, don't make it. Charlotte, we're back. All right, everyone. Welcome into another Buzzbeat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. This is Richie, and I hope everyone is doing well. We are live, and I'm joined by Brian here on Twitter Spaces. Before we get into this, I do want to remind everyone or anyone that hasn't done so to go out and give us a rating and review. Maybe you're listening to us for the first time. Uh, we do love that stuff. It makes a huge difference in helping the pod get more exposure. Brian, as you can probably tell, I'm losing my voice a little bit, but how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well, too, um, for the most part. You know, I, I had a moment this afternoon where I was just getting a little fried uh, thinking about sort of the state of the world as we're heading into year three of the pandemic. But other than that, I am um, I'm doing mostly fine and uh, enjoyed a, a nice little um, Hornets, uh, Hornets win last night. Yes, which we will definitely get to. So we might jump all over the place. Uh, with this recording, but here's how I want to kind of break it up. I first want to talk about the game against the Spurs from Wednesday night. Uh, we do have one listener question that we should briefly address. I actually put out like a, a call for all these listener questions, and I got to most of them, if not all of them, except this one, and this was just kind of like on the back burner. I think it's because we've talked about it before, but I definitely want to address it just because he took the time out to uh, sure. reach out to us. And then, as always, we can go off script a little bit if we have any speaker requests. We actually only have one listener in here with us right now. It's Matt, so definitely appreciate you joining us. So the game versus the Spurs was a fun one. Uh, we were talking about this pre-recording. You know, based off of our recent memory, it might be the most exciting or the most complete game that the Hornets have had all season. There's probably another one out there that we're missing from earlier, but the Hornets did win 131-115. And I think the obvious place for me to start uh, in terms of highlighting a specific player and his performance is Gordon Hayward. Super efficient, 41 points in 29 minutes of play. Didn't even have to play in the fourth quarter at all. 
And I love when you look at like player stats when they go off for these crazy games, like once in a blue moon type of game. And you look at some of the efficiency stats and Hayward's effective field goal percentage against San Antonio was 92.1. Like, it's just so weird seeing <laughs> yeah. that number. But yeah. You can tell early that he was feeling it versus San Antonio. In the first quarter, he had 14 points where a lot of those came from behind the arc. And then the third quarter was his best quarter where he played all 12 minutes and had 21 points, didn't miss from the two-point range at all. He was 7 of 7 there. And and this has always been a part of his game, Brian, but his ability to get buckets on his own, especially when the offense breaks down or especially when he's feeling it, like he can go get you a bucket when you need it. So I think I didn't really keep tabs on this but I'm sure a lot of those points in the third quarter were unassisted and him just going to work off the dribble and and dare I say some of his dribble moves are deceptively good like he's had some crazy highlight plays over the past week or so like one against Philadelphia a couple in this game against the Spurs the one towards the end against Kelton Johnson in in transition was a pretty fun one to watch as well and I think with LaMelo out and Ish out Clearly, you're going to have to have someone bring the ball up the court and initiate the offense. And I think JB probably trusts him the most. You know, you got Cody Martin and Miles Bridges who also take the ball up the court, or, you know, if you call them primary ball handlers, if you want to call it that. But I think out of any of those three players, it feels like he is the guy that probably has the ball in his hands the most out of those three. And then the last thing I'll say about Gordon Hayward, whether it's this game or just kind of in generally, generally speaking, and maybe this is a hot take, and maybe you can call me crazy for saying this, Brian, but I think I mentioned this in our Slack. I'm almost tempted to say, you know, through these first, how many games have we played so far? 30 games. I think he's been more consistent than Miles Bridges this season. Not, not his highs, like his highs haven't been as high as Miles Bridges, but I do think he has been more steady. And Bridges, like if you look at some of his stats in November, they seem to have tailed off and and gone down a little bit. And it's not like Gordon's like blowing him out of the water, but I just felt like he's been more steady than Miles Bridges. Call call me crazy, Brian. Yeah, I I don't know if I, I, as far as like full two-way game goes, I I don't think I would uh, like totally agree with you on that. But like, I'm certainly on the page that, you know, Hayward has been good this year. And and maybe even undervalued by some in and around the Hornets community. Yeah, forty points in what twenty nine minutes last mm-hmm. night. Um, he's just the second guy in the NBA this season to go for forty in only three quarters. I think Steph was Steph the other one. Steph Curry, I think, was the other one. And it came at a time where they just like they needed it, not just like the win on the road, but felt like the Hornets after because they've been so shorthanded the last couple of weeks in the games in the NBA. Man, they just it feels like they never stop even when a third of your like literally a third of your team or half your team is like not playable you're still playing these games and it just felt great for them to have not just sort of like an you know an easy win necessarily but and, and look I know Cody Martin still played 40 minutes last night but for guys like Bridges and Hayward that have been really um, really upping usage and the, the minutes load the last you know all season but the last couple of weeks, it felt good for them to be able to sort of like get in, get out, um, and what's going to be a long road trip with at least you know catching a breath of air basically before you're heading into, um, you know some some tough games over the next handful of days. Um, yeah, I mean Hayward, I feel like I feel like this season 
Um, I mean, like, you know, he hasn't, he's been playing at this same speed for a while now. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like that along with, you know, cause he, he's not as quick as he used to be. And I feel like that along with maybe him getting a, a bit of a tough whistle this year at times that he's gotten called for a lot of offensive fouls, um, you know, or him trying to get separation or you, know, you can't, you can't just like rocket by a guy, but it felt, it was good to see him have a, have some moments last night where he was really just kind of like getting to places he wanted on the court with his handle the one other thing i would say too as far as this like bridges versus hayward sort of like fun you know debate that we just sort of stumbled into is like bridges is bridges also provides more of like a a pressure point on the rim and i think that is something that especially with lamello out um you know the hornets really desperately need um so and i think that just has like cascading value over the rest of like the half court offense but um we can I, I totally see where you're coming from with Hayward. Um, elsewhere in this game, I thought PJ Washington was awesome. Um, How like did I know had, you're going to bring him up? That near triple double that he had. I mean, yeah, he played 29 minutes, had 12 points, nine boards, seven assists, two blocks. His defense was awesome. He had a couple. He had probably like three or four like live dribble passes mm-hmm. in this game that were just terrific. One of which came on the break. For a layup, he had the beautiful lob. Like the Miles Bridges had Trey Jones posted up, huge mismatch. But instead of them just like throwing it down to Miles and you know let try letting him try to bulldoze Trey before a double team gets there, I mean he and PJ talk about being on the same page. Like Miles spins back shoulder and, and the ball's just right there at at the rim. Um, beautiful pass by PJ, and again he probably had like three or four last night. Even including, there was one stretch with, with PJ where, and as I pointed this out on Twitter earlier, like PJ played more power forward last night than he has probably all season. Um, he played with Plumley for six minutes last night. Those guys have played a grand total of 16 minutes together all season. He also played a minute with Nick Richards too. So because of that, it even had PJ in some different areas of the court. Like I was cracking up seeing him, you know, the, the, the Hornets run plenty of that, like that five out, you know, Chicago action with PJ where he's the one setting the screen in the dribble handoff. And in this time it was PJ coming, coming out, out of the corner. corner, coming off the down screen, coming off the handoff with, I think it was Plumley, And then um, I believe he hit Cody Martin for like on the, the like 45 degree angle back cut layup. It was just a gorgeous pass by PJ. Um, he was awesome. And, and I mean, Bridges was just super solid too. Like it was cool to see him get to have a game where Bridges could sort because Hayward was just like on another level. It was cool to see a game where Bridges gets to be like the B option. You know, it doesn't have to have the doesn't have to be you know have crazy usage and, and be taking some tough shots. And I mean, he did take some. I mean, he he had a couple layups last night that were just ridiculous, including a a euro step where he looked like he was like hopping. Like different, the cross, like like looked like he was like hopping across the creek and like using like different stones. Slow motion, <laughs> slow motion. Too. It, it was it was un, and then to go reverse inside hand, it was just so nasty. I mean, we literally talked about this last week with Spencer. You know, the bridges, the finishing numbers at the rim this season aren't like great, but I think when you scale it for creativity, degree of difficulty, what he's being asked to do. Um, I mean, you, we we can we can poke at some of the shots that Miles takes if we want to, but 
Um, I think he is also asked to do a lot in terms of rim finishing, and that that probably causes the numbers to drag down a little bit. But, man, he had some just ridiculous uh, buckets around the cup last night, um, you know, off his dribble or off that catch. Because that back shoulder, that back, that spin back shoulder lob from he and PJ, it's just like, it's just so awesome. It's like this is what you can do when you have a guy like Bridges that, you know, is 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 just a matchup nightmare and one of the best lob catchers in the world. And you have a guy like PJ, right? That plays center is a very good above the break three point shooter, but can also pass. And like, you know, he and Miles Bridges have played a lot of basketball together now at this point. Yeah. And so it was just cool to see them like synced up on the same page like that too. Um I think this is also something we talked about once early in the season, or, or maybe I had, this, I had this discussion with someone else, but that that was one of those things that spoke to me, not only about like PJ's development, Miles' development, those two guys like knowing one another so well after playing a couple hundred games together and not to give like, not to like point all the roads back to LaMelo and to give him credit for it, but just like to an extent, his passing flair it has sort of like caught on with the rest of the team. We saw it, we see it with Bridges, and I thought sort of maybe that's something that we saw with with PJ to an extent last night. But just really like a nice start to finish team win, and in a good way to get the the stink of the Dallas loss, you know, out of the back of your mind quickly as possible. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In Washington, like it just goes to show his value and versatility with you know with this roster, and you talk about him playing a little bit more four against the Spurs, and he can do that. Like if, if you're going to want to get more minutes out of this guy, he's got to play the four in addition to yeah. playing the five. And I think sometimes he feels like the forgotten player within this team because he does come off the bench, but his minutes have been so impactful for this team, especially on the offensive side of the court. And I think when people mention trade talks. He's always the first guy that comes up because he seems like an intriguing piece. But if he's so intriguing, why don't the Hornets just hold on to him? You know what I mean? And, no, I'm I'm with you, man. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, I'm with you. I mean, like the I, I don't know. Maybe he he missed a lot of time too, so that's part of it. But it's like I I don't know. I guess I haven't mapped out the entire like six man of the year race. But it's like he, there should be like we should be starting to like bang that drum a little bit for PJ, even if he is like you know, a rung or two debt lower than the front runners for it. Cause like he comes off the bench, their offense gets better. He's an excellent three point shooter. His numbers are pretty good. He can pass. And the last, there's like 
The last thing I want to mention with PJ, the I, I, I clipped this play on Twitter earlier, but there was a possession where I think it was Jalen McDaniels got beaten back door and PJ was guarding, was, wasn't at center. He was guarding, you know, Pirtle or, or Eubanks or whatever. And he did such an excellent, like he was, he was, he was the last line of defense. Like he was baseline when this happened and he immediately just like slid over and snapped into action. And that was such a, and then like McDaniels kicked out and got PJ's guy, you know? And I mean, that's the, that's, that's also the two way versatility of PJ and, and a guy like McDaniels too, right. That you can, switch those guys around that can be interchangeable at times defensively when you play those lineups. And I felt San Antonio tried to match that versatility at times and that got the Spurs in a little bit of trouble, but I don't know. PJ's development as a defender, I think is pretty impressive. And that was just a cool moment because when we talk about PJ's defense and how it did improve last season, we tend to focus on, you know, either the switching or the rim protection. And then that, that flash, that was both at the same time, right? Right. right. He removes the cut. He doesn't block a shot, but he removes, he, he switches over. He takes away a cut layup. And even though McDaniels got initially got beaten, you know, it's, it's the next, next play mentality, right? Like he's on to just, just keep it moving, get out to the next guy. And then not to spend too much time on it, but I did think Charlotte's zone was also effective. Uh, against the Spurs last yes, night as well. I was going to mention that as well. But back to your point about PJ, I just shared that clip uh, with the listeners here in Twitter spaces. And I made a mention of this in the preseason, but he was the quote-unquote swing player that I kept you know, noting for this team. I felt like if he played well, which he has, once when he gets healthy and he plays consistent minutes, I think this team is going to take off. So whether that's coming off the bench or whatever role he has with this team, if he plays well, I think this team is also going to play well. And then back to Miles Bridges, I'll, I'll t- touch upon the zone here in a second. Yeah, I do think that he's found something with his drive. And you mentioned him maybe being that B option or maybe, you know, B slash C option. Whatever you're going to have him on this team, there are times in the game where you need someone else other than LaMelo and Gordon Hayward to step up. And Miles has found something with that bully ball tactic that he has sometimes and those dribble moves to get get defenders on their heels and his strength and his physicality, just all the combination of the athleticism and all that stuff. I think the most important thing for Bridges this year is knowing what he can do and just being aggressive and attacking when he's in those situations and knowing when he can drive against a smaller guy. But yeah, I thought the defense was poor once again, uh, especially in the first half. Cody Martin even, like I noted, like he just didn't even stay in front of his man at times. And I think that was just the case yeah. with everyone. When you think of Cody Martin, he did have a yeah. you know a career high 21 points, but you think of defense with him. And Charlotte did switch to the zone more so in the second half. And it seemed like you were it worked, like you mentioned, especially in the third quarter. That is the team that you want to do it against, a team that's not comfortable or used to shooting a lot of three-pointers like San Antonio is not that team they're they're trying to get into the paint score off of two-pointers off mid-rangers and so if you put a team in a place where they're just not accustomed to shooting from a lot of times it works and Charlotte you know who struggles not allowing the penetration I think sometimes they've got to turn to that zone so I would actually like to see it a little bit more I guess depending on the matchup but yeah that's that's a good point to note there Brian yeah, I feel like maybe in the um, <clears throat> like since the, especially since they didn't have they haven't had Lamelo or Rozier and they were playing more of these sort of like like sized 
like stronger defenders in theory. I mean, I know it didn't it didn't go great last night, but like they've they've been trotting out some of these lineups where it's like you know, man, like everyone is like six six to six eight and is like you know at least two hundred twenty something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not like skinny, you know. Um, and so I feel like you know you're trying to get to those lineups and then. Uh, switch a little bit and keep the ball in front. But as we've discussed, uh, Charlotte's switch can occasionally leave something to be desired um, for the, at least the second straight year. And yeah, I mean, I think they caught a little bit of a break that like, you know, the Spurs missed a bunch of open shots last night too. And like that happens in the NBA, Dallas missed no shots the night before or two nights before. So I, I don't know. Like, I don't even know if these things even out, but it, it does fluctuate. And yeah, to your point, about the zone with Charlotte. I mean, it's just more of the same. Like uh, the Hornets, they currently rank third in the NBA in efficiency with half-court defensive zone possessions, 0.79 points per possession, opponent effective shooting rate, 40%, opponent turnover rate of nearly 14% on those possessions. The only team that's playing more zone than them this season. The Bucks. It, it's the it's actually the Miami Heat, oh. um, which will not surprise. And that's the difference of you know nine nine percent of Charlotte's defensive possessions in the half court are in zone. Um, the Heat, it's like nine and a half. So it's okay. pretty it's pretty close. Um, it is one of those things too. Like the I mean the Hornets are probably the way to think about it right now. Um, in the Magic, play a lot of zone as well. Indiana plus I feel like was playing more at the start of the year and just dialed it back a little bit. But like yeah. By just like the efficiency numbers, the points per possession numbers on on synergy, at least, you know, you can make a case the Hornets are the best like high volume, right? Uh, you know, zone defense um, in the in in the NBA. Maybe doesn't feel like that, but just going off this one metric, um, you know, that is that is one way you can evaluate them uh, at, at least. So yeah, I mean, seeing it more is probably not. A bad idea. I mean, it's it's obviously going to be in the repertoire no matter what. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's not going anywhere. Um, it is going to be a, a big piece. It's just like how how big of a piece of a pie does it actually have? And, you, you know, obviously, Charlotte, they like to throw it out after timeouts. They did that a bunch last night. I think that's like simple, good coaching. I don't know if you've noticed this from the get-go. They've always done it. Not always, but like predominantly done it on inbounds, like defending inbounds. They do that a yeah. lot when they defend Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I think, I mean, just from my own playing days, I, I actually don't, like, uh, I mean, look, there are a lot of coaches that know defense far better than I do that play man on, like, baseline out of bounds underneath. But I always thought a zone was better for that type of stuff. Like, I like I am here to be, like, like I prefer to, to watch teams that play man, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, even even teams that are, like, man heavy, I do kind of prefer the the zone concept on those baseline out of bounds. You're just – you're so susceptible to dives into slips and to uh, quick quick hitting, you know, off-ball screen actions yeah. that I just think it's – I just think – yeah, I just don't – I don't know, man. I, I it, For me, it's never been quite worth it. I think you leave yourself far less exposed when you just zone up on on those looks um and i like when i like when i mean you see this a lot in college too i really like when teams like move the target around with the zone like jordan tech they're great at changing defenses but hell i was even watching you know everyone knows like richie when you think about syracuse basketball what what's the first thought you have <laughs> yeah zone 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 right but a two three zone correct correct like, yes yes I, I was i was watching syracuse versus fsu the other week and like 
<laughs> Syracuse was getting like pushed around in the first half and they roared back. They won in Tallahassee because they went to a one, three, one zone. Like I've literally never seen Syracuse do that before. I was like on my couch, just cracking up watching, watching the game on synergy. Um, so, so anyways, back to the point zone, it's a big part for Charlotte. And as these guys come back, like as LaMelo comes back, that, that doesn't change at all. Like it, it is going to continue mm-hmm. to be um, a weapon that they're going to have to, go to and, and look maybe Borrego thinks that if they go to it like you know x amount of percentage more than they are doing now then that's gonna render some of its you know surprise you know right, it's gonna, yeah, make, it, it's gonna yeah. make it less surprising and it's gonna give teams you know they're gonna see it more and they're, they're gonna get more comfortable they're gonna figure out kind of how they want to attack it or blah yeah. blah blah so I, I get that there's some like maybe there's some point of like diminishing returns or whatever I don't think they're at it just based off my own sort of like I, you know, I test. test. They did. They did it more last year. They did it more yeah, last for year for sure. And it was and it was effective last season too. It was so. Um, just something to consider. But I but I get that as a possible explanation for why you only want to splice it in ten percent of the time yeah. or whatever. What's funny? I mean, you know, anything is relative. So anything to their man to man is going to be better. So <laughs> yes, yes, they, yes. They're an. I mean, there's an awful man to man defense. Yeah. They don't have anyone that can stay in front of the ball. I mean, you mentioned Cody Martin. Like Cody's a. I think Cody is a pretty good defender, but like his his strengths aren't like you know guarding at the point of attack either, right? Like he's better, I think, as like a as like a. Um, you know, team defender taking mm-hmm. charges, mm-hmm. being in passing lanes, making like winning hustle plays. I think that's sort of like he, where he's best suited. Um, and last thing I'll say about Cody, I mean, just a big game last night, 41 minutes, 21 points, th- four, four on threes. Like he's just shooting the hell out of the basketball uh, this season, which is, which has been really cool. Like that just continues to keep up. And he got the, like he set the tone for them early on and yeah i mean cody martin is shooting literally 50 percent on threes this year it's just it's i mean it's insane it really is yeah i mean everyone's celebrating curry's achievement but you know we all know that we all know who's <laughs> yeah. better all right yeah yeah how about how about dell having the ball at the telecast last night too yeah that, did you know yeah that? i did that i was, did yeah that was funny to yeah. me at least a little bit a little funny all right, we do have two speaker requests, and I want to get to these two speaker requests definitely because I, I like to have these participants speak up on our pod, and then we're going to end it with a listener question, and then we'll wrap up here. So uh, our first request is from at Cam HKY. Question, <laughs> comment, Cam? Hey, wanted to call out BG real quick for doing the old Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo. We played basketball before in that last little – uh, yeah. <laughs> I I know. I tried to get away from that. Like I could hear it coming out of my mouth, and that was why I immediately pivoted to. Well, these basketball coaches know a lot more than I than I do because I could. I was going down a path of compare comparing like a very average high school career to the NBA, and that would be a very dumb thing to do. So forget. <laughs> I I do apologize to the audience for that. That was uh, an oafish move on my part. So my, you know the the Mav game notwithstanding, Gordon and especially Miles have been on a complete heater. I really love the the point Miles pieces of this, at least initiating the offense, even if he doesn't bring the ball up the court. It really reminds me of kind of what Z is supposed to be. Um, you know, given, like I said, the heater that these guys are on and how much Miles has been handling the ball, once, uh, once, once Melo gets back, what is the best way to integrate him – Obviously, it's his offense. How do we get all the best of these offensive players together when Melo is going to 
be the one with the ball in his hands the entire time. It just, you know, just seems like one ball and a lot of good offensive mm-hmm. players. What's the best way to kind of integrate them all? Yeah, I mean, I think this is actually like a silver lining with Melo out. I mean, obviously, you never want to lose your best player on the roster, but we've learned some things with this team in terms of some of the playmaking that can come from different areas of the court and different players. You almost wonder if you would just want to stagger a little bit more, you know, have Miles play without LaMelo. But, you know, to your point, like when LaMelo comes back, it is his team. The ball does sometimes stick a little bit more with LaMelo because he does like to pound the rock and go ISO at times. But I guess I guess the one thing would be to stagger the minutes a little bit more. But with Miles and LaMelo having that synergy together, you would like for them to play as many minutes as you can together. The thing is, is like, I feel like when Miles and LaMelo play together, LaMelo really can't or really hasn't found a way to play off of ball yet, Brian, right? Like, so like you can't really just put the ball in Miles' hand and have LaMelo try to create space running off of screens or what what, yeah. what have you. Yeah, the you, the only time you really see like LaMelo doing like heavy screen, like heavy in air quotes, screen usage is that one, like the one like sideline out of bounds play they run. It's the little like slice screen to screener action where LaMelo will set a back screen, then he'll come off a pin down. But that's usually not to like look for a shot. That's usually to catch and curl and, and like run empty side pick and roll off of that. Um, you know, he's a pretty good spot up shooter. Um, so that, that helps. He can at least do that. And I do feel like when he doesn't have the basketball, he's not completely like stationary. Like they're like, he, he does, you know, cut and move around a, a little bit, but yeah, he's not, obviously like he's not like a, a you know, a, a big time movement shooter. We talked about this some last season. Like, are there ways you can involve him more as a screener, like away from the basketball? Because, once you do that and you start scrambling the defenses up a little bit and forcing them to bend, rotate, or whatever, well, it's in those in the, it's in those pockets of space and chaos. That's when like Lamelo is like maybe at his best as a playmaker, right? Like not just him running spread pick and roll or empty corner pick and roll, but but getting Lamelo like cutting into space, slipping into space. Defense rotates, but assignments are scrambled, and all of a sudden, like he's throwing a lob to, to bridges on top of you. Um, staggering the minutes—that's sort of like an obvious solution you mentioned, Richie. But I think you can also weaponize it against opponents using ghost screen actions, right? Where you run Hayward in the, the direction of of Lamelo, and then before you know he would screen, he sp- slips out to the other side. Um, and then Lamelo can either, you know, if, if depending on how the defense reacts, to that either he can attack or he can throw it to Hayward. Then Hayward can attack off a, a little momentum or maybe a, a, a sliver of advantage in that situation as well. And then I just think like it depends on how the matchups scramble up as well. Like that's that's kind of a big deal. Who's got who? Um, if opponents are going to throw their best guy at Lamelo, then 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 you that's when you can hammer them with with Hayward and 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 Bridges. That's the advantage of having this kind of like power pick and roll and ISO scores. Um, not perfect, but those guys can can definitely do some damage in those situations too. So um, you know you got to. I think some of it is scheme, and the Hornets have some ways to get to those actions. But I mean to 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 Cam's point, like you know it, it is going to have to be like you know. The, the ball, like the touches for everyone else are going to go down. You know what I mean? As far as like dribbles go or whatever, when LaMelo comes back, it's like, yeah, yeah. It, it's, uh, he's the priority. It's, it's obviously <laughs> his offense. And, and so, yeah, but, but I, but I, I do think that means you can just put those guys in more 
efficient situations too to catch and finish. So like the, the, it, it's not all bad. There are some advantages to it as obviously yeah. uh, as well with LaMelo coming back. I accidentally removed him from the Twitter spaces. I meant to remove him <laughs> as a speaker, but I actually removed him from the actual spaces. I'm not sure if he can get back in. So hopefully he will listen to this on the commute tomorrow. So we appreciate yes. the question yes. Yes. at KMHKY yes. and actually gave him a follow back for speaking. And so we've got one more speaker request here and then we actually need to get to a twitter question from john yeager who's actually in the twitter spaces right now brian so he can actually hear our answer live as we're recording this but matt question comment about the hornets uh i guess just on the uh touch back to your defense uh discussion mm-hmm. it, it seems like this team should be better defensively with all the pieces they have you know versatility guys that can switch different positions um on the defense, just uh, is a is a simple fix for this defense just to find somebody that can uh, you know in the middle a shot blocker. And, and if that's the case, why isn't Nick Richards? Because he seems like the best. You know, that's his best part of his game, probably. So he can uh, you know be a rim protector somewhat. And I mean, like the Dallas game, it starts and places. You don't see it again. I, I'm not understanding. You know what Borrego's thinking is on that. Thank you for the question. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, adding a rim protector on the back end would solve a lot of, not a lot, but it would solve some issues. And I think we mentioned this on the previous podcast where they can clean up some of the mistakes on the back end because of the perimeter defense just not providing a ton of resistance. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think personnel, I, I mentioned it on the last podcast, I thought maybe this team would have done better just as a collective group heading up closer to that like 18th, 17th spot overall on the defensive side, but clearly they're closer to the 23, 24, and below type of spot. One thing that was mentioned in Gordon Hayward's article today, I don't know if he writes these things. I guess he writes these things. But he mentioned how like they're a team that loves to push the pace and get the ball up the court, and sometimes that does put them in positions where they're struggling to get back in transition. And they have this mindset of push, 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 push. And I don't know if it's like a fatigue thing of, you know, and stuff like that. But that that could be another factor that's weighing on them in terms of balancing, getting out in transition, but also getting back. But there's so many things that you can point to, Brian, where there needs to be <laughs> solutions on this end. Um, and you yeah. can almost start anywhere. I think, you know, maybe a simple solution would have a better rim protector, but that's not going to solve everything. And Nick Richards, to me, like, is just too young to be that guy to kind of be that eraser on the back end. So thoughts about this question from Matt? Yeah, we've talked about this some, and I think it's an interesting point that Gordon brought up about uh, the pace, because I think I think a listener asked us about that a week or two ago. Did they not? You know, is this sort of like a possible reason for why the defense is, yeah. um, you know, perhaps, you know, lackluster at times? And I, I I can definitely see that. I still maintain that, like, the bigger issue is the personnel. I agree with, with, with Matt. I agree with you that, you know, improving and having a, a legit seven-foot, you know, rim protector would solve a lot of sins, maybe not all of them, mm-hmm. certainly not all of them. But I think beyond just getting like a you know rim protector X is there's there's gonna there's got to be a, a bunch of other things that take place. They've got to find a you know really like a perimeter guy that can stay in front of the basketball. We talked about this last week, but I think as you're thinking about this franchise beyond Gordon Hayward, 
um, manning the, the the small forward position, essentially, that you're going to have to find when you when you find the next player after him. Assuming you haven't traded Rozier, obviously you're married to Lamelo. You've got to find a way to get more defense on the court at the point of attack with the with the perimeter, uh, with like along the perimeter, and that's the spot to do it. Assuming Terry and and Lamelo are both still um, still in Charlotte, like that's where you've got to be able to upgrade it because you'd like to be able to play more conventional pick and roll defense. And if you're going to do to, if you're going to do that, you need guys to. It's up to the perimeter guys as well, and um, that's not really a strength of either uh, Lamelo or Terry's. So you've got to find at least one guy I think mm-hmm. that can sort of be a floor raiser for them in terms of perimeter defense. And so yeah, those are the, the three and the five. Like those are the spots you know to figure out defensively. The five is maybe a little more immediate, even though we both like some of the stuff that PJ Washington can do for this team defensively. Switch, give them a little more versatility, be a rim protector in the zone at times. Um, but yeah, the, the, those would be the those would all be the the big things. I think it's really personnel. I think it's a little style of play though as well. But for me, it really does come down to um, just getting getting the guys that can really do those jobs a little more. As far as Richards goes, like I think he can. He's got size. I don't think he's super quick off of his feet. Even though I wouldn't say he's like lumbering by any stretch. So I don't think he covers like just a ridiculous amount of ground and he's just like this like nuclear long elite rim protector. But also I think about him guarding pick and roll (laughs) and like that's that's really where like the issues come around like him being playing to the level or him, you know, showing on a ball screen or him, you know, they can't really do like a deep, deep drop with him. Um, in part because they don't have the perimeter defenders. It's all tied together. But th- that's where his biggest – that's where Nick's uh, biggest issues are, I think, defensively, mm-hmm. why he's just not playable in some scenarios for them. Yeah, defense, there's a whole lot more connected pieces than you would think. One thing leads to another. We are going to finish this off with a listener question from John Yeager. I know it's still early and a lot can happen, but do you think there's a chance that the Hornets let Miles Bridges walk after the season, after gambling on the extension, or I guess the non-extension that was not given to him. And I guess my first thought is this, like, I don't know if it was like, and I'm sure John knows this, but I don't know if it was an actual premeditated gamble by not giving him this extension. I think they probably just couldn't come to an agreement. Like, I think they tried, but they just had a different number in mind than maybe Clutch Sports did. So he is headed into restricted free agency, He could have received a max extension, could have, could have received a max extension before this season of five years up to $173 million. I believe that's the same uh, contract about what, what SGA got, and they're just not obviously in the same ballpark. So I would assume that Bridges would get mid to upper 20s. Like, I, I don't know where it actually lands. I don't know. And I don't know where Charlotte wants that number to land. Clearly, they, you know, if they can get that number below 30, that would be great. Uh, I think it would be a mistake to let this guy walk with the progress he's made over the past couple of years. Can he be a number two guy on a playoff team next to LaMelo? Maybe, maybe, maybe like a 2B, but... Hornets would probably be better off maybe getting like a two and he's a three, but if you're paying this guy upper 20s, close to 30, maybe you expect him to be that type of guy. But I think when it's all said and done, I think the Hornets are going to get it done, but they might be in a situation where 
they're at the mercy of a handful of teams that might have some space that might sign him to some offer sheets. But yeah, it would it would be a mistake to let this guy walk. But I, I also don't think that they didn't try to get it done. Yeah, I think looking past you know, whatever loyalty is these days or in, and if you're an NBA player, like you don't know anybody, anything like I, I I'm with that. I'm with all of that. And beyond just like the, the connection he has with LaMelo and why someone like bridges would want to play with someone like LaMelo, like someone who's going to make your job easier and amplify your talents. Um, beyond those things, which are certainly selling points that Charlotte has, like at the end of the day, they can match any offer and they can offer mm-hmm. the most money. It's like, so and he's really good. So, like, I yes, I, I mean, I, I guess you, you should never say I, – I should know better at this point as we're getting ready to head into 2022. Like, you know, you shouldn't take anything for granted and that there's no such thing as, like, a certainty at this point. But, um, yeah, I think there's, like, a near certainty that Bridges is back next season. It's going to be um, on a very expensive deal for a lot of money. I don't know what the delta was between – like what the Hornets offered and what Clutch wanted last offseason, whatever it is, I'm guessing that gap has narrowed because Bridges is now – because, like, whatever Charlotte can offer, like, it's a fixed number. You know, it's like they can't offer beyond, uh, you know, whatever the, the percentage of the cap percentage, a mass yeah. extension, you know, would be saying. So it's like whatever that is, like, that's set in stone. That can't go anywhere. What can go – what can increase is – the Hornets' confidence in Bridges as a player, which, like, how could it not go up after what he's done this season, even just this past week, like, carrying this team without LaMelo, to an extent, obviously, you know, Hayward, Cody Martin, lots of guys have stepped up and contributed, but, like, Bridges has just been the engine for them this year. He's been an absolute horse every single night. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. There just there are not there aren't enough positives to give to this guy. I don't know if he is like a, a you know a true number two on a team that can win fifty five games and be like a serious contender. I don't think it's like impossible that he gets to that level. I agree. It'd be nicer to sort of have him in that like that third guy role. Yeah. You know that like he seems like really like suited for that. Although like look, maybe he's got another gear. Um, he's gotten a lot better just in the last 12 months. He's still just 23 years old, I think. Like, he, he he's maybe not getting not not done getting better. So, anyways, I I, feel, I just get the feeling that like both teams came into this season hopefully eyes wide open, and I think that, I think if it was a gamble of sorts, it it, it was going to work for both teams. Were willing to take that chance. Do you know what I mean? It's like for the Hornets, you're looking for more data that says. Yeah, he's he's as good as you saw the last two months of the season, right? Like last year. And for Miles Bridges, his family, his representation, you're just trying to be like, look, yeah, like I'm I'm worth it. <laughs> like I'm really good. Um, pay me like a lot of like pay me an insane amount of money. And I, and I get the feeling that the team like the Hornets are going to be. I think you've just like what what choice do you have? Even if you even if you came to Mitch Kupchak right now and said Miles Bridges is never going to be anything more than like a number three guy. And, um, you know, maybe, you know, he'll, he'll make zero to one all-star games or whatever. I mean, like what choice do you have, but to give that guy, whatever he, whatever he's asking for, or like matching any deal. Do you know what I mean? It's like it, this, it's Charlotte. Like you, you don't get, you don't go out and get free agents. You get, you get players that are in the ballpark of bridges You get them through the draft. Right. And then you use all the advantages that the CBA has provided with you, 
to retain those guys and you develop them and you just try to, yeah, I mean, that's what, that's how, that's how you do this. So um, that's why I think it's again, Charlotte has, they have initiative in both the means to bring him back. And, and that's why I think ultimately like it's an almost certainty that this, that this gets done. Yeah, if they lost him, it would be a big step back in terms of the development of this team. Um, a I, lot I, would be I, riding I, on PJ and and all these other players that are just like, yeah. haven't taken the steps that Miles has at this point. I, I don't, I don't even know how you like look yourself in the mirror yeah. for a while. After. Like, uh, like what, are, like what's the point? You know, what's the point of all of this? Developing players, <laughs> marketing them, trying to build a team, like. <laughs> You know that, and this guy, like this guy, I think Bridges moves the needle too, yeah. right? Like, you know, it's not like this guy is not just like a faceless twenty points per game every night. Like Bridges is exciting. Um, I think he's got reach that extends beyond just Charlotte. Like, I think even casual fans know about him because of the highlights, and um, I think that matters in a in a smaller market like Charlotte. All right, so the Hornets are in the middle of a six-game road trip. The next games for them are tough. Blazers on Friday, Suns on Sunday, Jazz and Nuggets. I think the must-win game, if you want to call it that, is Friday night against the Blazers. That one feels like the most winnable. We talked about this prior to the recording. We're not going to get into it, but you know, if they don't win one game out of these next four, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. But I will say this. There is a silver lining to this, and I don't know if fans are really going to look at it this way, but I think the true test for this team is going to be in late January, early February, where the schedule lightens up a little bit. Players are knock on wood you know, back and healthy, the team is gelling. If they start to rattle off some wins kind of in that portion of their schedule, I think that's going to go a longer way. Um, yes, it would be nice to to steal a game or two here, but, you know, I think the fans might get a little bit discouraged in these next four games. But Blazers is the one that you would want to circle on Friday night. So we appreciate yeah. everyone for joining us here on Twitter Spaces. If you joined late You guys can get the full podcast out on Friday morning. For Brian, I'm Richie. We will talk to you guys next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.